Okay, today I'm in Devon with uh, Dax and Joe Oliver. Thanks very much for uh, coming to me today to do this interview. I've been passing you for a while. So, Joe and Dax Oliver, father and son team, and some might say the most photogenic on the race course. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, how, so, how long have you been working together? Uh, well, about five years, isn't it? Yeah, five, yeah. six years. Yeah. yeah, Dax came over from, left the teaching in Abu Dhabi and came over and joined the company about five years ago. So, so you're officially retired, Joe? Officially retired, yeah, yeah. Does he does he keep out of it, Dax? Uh, well, not entirely, but um, it's been yeah, no, it's all right. It works well. It works all right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Joe, you've been I've been around for a while, and you've been around for a longer time than me. Yeah. So, can you tell us about your about your background? I understand you were a, a policeman at one point. I was a policeman here yeah, for three months, and uh, I, get, I packed that in uh, because I wanted to become a professional cricketer. And I went for a week's trial and got sent home because um, wasn't quite good enough. I played minor counties with Devon, but wasn't good enough to be a full-time pro. Um, uh, on the, the day of my the trial period, Greg Chapel turned up. He went on to captain Australia, and I went on to captain South Devon. Um, bit of a difference, but yeah, he made it, and I wasn't quite good enough. But yeah, good experience. Uh, so your, your career with the police force was a little bit... Um, because you were a bit squeamish, is that right? Yeah, I didn't really fancy the post-mortem. I kept putting it off, and eventually they twigged, and when the cricket, when the Somerset trial came up, I just fell on the sword and um, resigned. I think they were pleased to see the back of me, yeah. So then you went to work in a bank? Yeah, that was an absolute disaster. Um, I went for my interview, and from the day one, I sat... The manager who, who interviewed me said, go into my office, sit in my office. And I sat in his chair and it took me about 10 minutes to realise I was sat in his chair. And uh, anyway, uh, I lasted 18 months and got asked to resign. It was a disaster from the first day, really. And you sort of skipped a bit in the police force. You had a bit of a faux pas with the, the boss's daughter. Uh, yeah, that was a disaster, yeah. Um, the superintendent didn't like me. I didn't realise that on the first day I'd asked his daughter out, so he hated me. Um, and that was, yeah, that was a disaster, a complete disaster. Yeah. So after those two disasters, bookmaking was a little bit more um, no, successful. No, that, that was a disaster as well, uh, because I started in '75, um, and until the buying and selling of pitches came in in 1998, I made very little money. So we, did were you trying to do it for a living in that? I was in trying that to time? do it for a living, yeah, yeah, but very unsuccessfully. So. I mean, how hard was it to get in in those days? Because the, the list was... Uh, well, I started betting in 1975 in the middle at Newton Abbott. And that was all right on bank holidays. Um, but then I would go to places like Leicester in Nottingham and Haydock and bet, bet in the second line and get picked off by the by the bookmakers in the front line. Because if I, if I didn't go above the price, uh, above the normal price, I wouldn't take a bet. And I regularly used to... I would lose 90% of the time. So how did you manage to keep yourself afloat then? Well, luckily, um, uh, I'd bought some flats when I was young and I, I lived off them. And also I worked in my father's fish shop, but he kept, I, well, he did sack me a couple of times. So that was a bit of a tricky problem. I think by the time I was 19, I'd, been, I'd, I'd gone through, I'd been sacked from five jobs. The police didn't make it as a cricketer and the old man had sacked me two or three times. I have got down here actually, property tycoon. No, I'm not a property tycoon. 
You, you must have been living off something if no, you were. I, I was living off my fetish. flats. No, when 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 I was seventeen, my grand died and left left me and my brother eight hundred quid. He went out and bought a motorbike, and I went out and bought um, a three bedroom house, which is in three flats. So that's when it started. But. Okay, so you said it was hard back in the day. I mean, for for people that are not old enough to remember, yeah. how it used to work was there was a waiting list, oh, and yeah. nobody would live long enough in some cases no. to actually be on it. So. No. And the buying and yes, the ESL was a thing. Wasn't it, yeah, the buying and selling came in in nineteen ninety eight, and that's when I, yeah, that's when I, things improved, um, because for twenty three years I'd really struggled, um, and the only thing that really kept me going was Exeter Dogs, um, uh, because um, I started to bet without the favourite in the last couple of years, and that's I did all right with that, um, but prior to that, my bookmaking career was an absolute disaster. Now, X of the Dogs was a flapping track around the speedway yeah, track. Yeah, and I couldn't make that pay because uh, I used to bet straight. And uh, the promoter one day said, I want one bookmaker to bet without. And, and I thought, well, I've got nothing to lose because I wasn't making any money betting straight. So when I bet without, that's when my, my luck changed. Um, and, it, and I was quite successful betting without the favourite. If I hadn't done that, um, I wouldn't have been in the position to in 1998 to buy the first Cheltenham pitch so really it was all down to luck uh, because I was just going downhill fast um, and I just by chance I thought well I've got nothing to lose and that, that's basically what saved me the, the betting without an exit of dogs the difference between you and a lot of people that bought pitches in 1998 yeah. is you've done your apprenticeship in the really hard pitches oh, yeah, got, so I'd you really weren't got, going in there yeah, I, I absolutely got I, I got so many hammerings, I was absolutely show shot. Really, I, just, I used to drive them from Haydock in Leicester in Nottingham, and I'd done like fifteen hundred quid, which back in nineteen seventy five was a lot of money. So I was show shot, yeah. So, but what I need to know is, you're Joe, that's Dax. Yeah. Who's yeah. Dick? Well, no, I was Chris and Richard, and when I went to get my license, um, Frank Scadden said we. Well, yeah, what are you going to say about why, why you're called Joe as well? Oh, yeah, well, I was, sorry, I was, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I was... you were called Joe. No, I'm not called Joe. That's a nickname. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was born, my, my mother wanted me, my brother was called Roger, and my, and my mother wanted me to be called Richard. So the old man said, no, I want to call him Joe. So from day two, the old man called me Joe, and everyone else called me Joe, and it's stuck ever since. But you're actually called Richard. I'm Rich, yeah, um, I'm actually christened Richard, yeah. But nobody knows that. Oh, they do now. Everybody calls me Joe, amongst <laughs> but, other things, yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say, no, I won't say it. I've taken a um, lot of sticker with the years, I can tell you. <laughs> now, we talked about buying and selling, but before the buying and selling, yeah. there was the extended supplementary list, yeah. which meant that if you were on that waiting list, yeah. even if you were number 50, if there yeah. was a space, you could yeah. come in. Yeah. So I remember you weren't incredibly popular with the existing bookmakers in tats when you came in because you brought your bad habits like betting straight after the last race yeah, with you. Early, yeah. Because yeah. The, and for anybody that don't remember, again, the bookmakers used to go and have a cup of tea between races and price yeah. up for about 10 minutes to And go. Eddie Baxter used to be the first one. He did. Eddie ba- Avalon. Avalon. He's a great Avalon. guy. I got on well with Eddie. He was one of the few that spoke to me. Yeah, Eddie was a good guy. He'd get up early. Uh, and oh man, Dave Pipe was all, all right, but the rest of them didn't really speak to me very much. But yeah, because we got up early. Um, yeah, but... Sometimes we made horrendous mistakes, but sometimes we took good early money. But yeah, I remember that. We weren't very popular. 
But when when you did that, did you used to price up your races, or did you have a bit of a guess up? No, I, I, I have a bit. It was a bit of a. I used to get a, an early tissue off Martin Hills, um, uh, uh, Hills, um, Mark Hills' father. He used Angus, to do, in those Angus. Angus. Yeah. yeah, I used to get a, a tissue off him nine o'clock every morning. Used to phone up, so I had a rough idea. So between my guesswork and and. Angus, Angus's tissue. That's that's how I did it. Did he ever put in a moody price? And yeah, he did. Yeah, I could imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Sometimes Mark or his mates used to be there, but no. I got on with Mark's a great bloke, and Angus. Yeah, I always got on with him. Mark, he was all right. I get on well with Mark. So, so when you would you have to turn up somewhere and hope there would be a place to bet? Yeah, sometimes I used to. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I could bet in the silvering, but sometimes it didn't have it. I used to get in, or actually the, the odd time I used to get in and tax, yeah. But in those days, I mean, if you made a rick with those early prices, oh, you, yeah. you had quite a few professional punters sort oh, yeah, of lurking yeah, yeah, around, yeah, ready yeah. to snap the prices yeah, up. And yeah. yeah, they were there. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. It was interesting. And you, need, you would have needed quite good staff, because even then you'd have been betting in the poorer pitches. So yeah, if you were leaving five to two up and they'd taken all the yeah. nine to four in the front. That's the, one, that's the one good thing that... Um, since 1975, I've always had good staff, and we, to this day, we've got brilliant staff. Um, it's in, like now at Cheltenham, there's nine of us go, and, and they're all well. There's seven others. They're absolutely brilliant. You know, you can't. I can't speak highly enough of them. All right, Joe. All you've told us really is misery at the moment. <laughs> so I'd like to speak to Dax, who I know is a much more. <laughs> He's a much more cheerful, cheerful. So no, yeah, you've told us that, Joe. He's a much more. So, Dax, you, you, uh, Joe said earlier, you were or still are a qualified teacher. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you teach? Oh, um, primary. So I've taught primary. um, So I was in Exeter. I taught uh, year three and year two in Exeter for five years at Saint Sibyl School, which I really enjoyed. And then went over to Abu Dhabi and taught over there um, in a a BSAC British school, like a Barrett for four years and taught year one over there so the little little guys really um, yeah so I taught a bit of everything what that be teaching expats or the locals both really both big mix yeah so that was good so why did why did you decide to turn that in and come over and become a bookmaker by the sound of it is a miserable existence <laughs> well <laughs> um, basically uh, I sort of I was having a I really enjoyed my time in Abu Dhabi um, but it sort of got to a point where I kind of thought I, I was kind of sort of stick or twist really I was going to sort of Stay for, could easily have stayed forever, um, but I don't really like regretting things. And my only sort of thought was if I didn't come home and, and kind of give the racing a go, um, I might regret it, you know, and I could be, and I thought as well, if I did come back, do the racing for two or three years, um, I can go back teaching if I really didn't enjoy it. So I kind of felt I was in quite a good position, really. Um, and also I missed home, really, you know, so, yeah. Right, so up until fairly recently... If you were, or you are Joe's son, so you could have helped out on the pitch and work. Did you? Did you do that? And when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah. One of my first memories is going to, I don't know where it was, some point to point somewhere, and and I must have been a little toddler and watching horses jump the fence and being sort of thrilled by that. So that's one of my earliest memories. Um, I remember I worked at uh, Newton Abbott Dogs which was, I think, my first sort of time working on track, which was quite an experience, really, because there was some, on the forecast, was some characters there, really, and that was a bit of an eye-opener for me. Yeah. Um, and I, I was to Clark. Is that with a pencil? 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, yeah. those some nights we'd only like take 50 quid a night on the forecast. You know, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Eight races, probably well, take be 50 quid. 20 people there? Sorry? It'd be like yeah, 20 people be like 20, Newton Dogs, it'd probably be 20 people there. You'd be lucky to take 50 quid on the night. How many yeah. bookmakers? Brian Edwards back there, didn't he? Brian Edwards back there, Roger King back there. Charlie. Um, Charlie, Charlie the Butcher from uh, Tengmouth. Uh, I think there was th three plus a forecast, wasn't there? I think so. Yeah. So that would have been, still would have been a good education for you. Yeah. To, to, to learn the clerk and learn how it all works yeah, and, yeah, and struggling to take a little bit of money. Yeah, put you, put yeah, you in a good yeah. put you in good stead and still yeah. smile. Met some yeah. charmers there. Yeah. Very <laughs> <Yeah. Some characters. laughs> <Getting> nice people. <laughs> so so because it's made such a big impression on you, was it something that you think was always in the back of your mind to ultimately do for a living? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but I always wanted to have another option as well. Um, I always wanted to travel and I was always interested to live abroad. So um yeah, teaching was something that I think um, appealed to me um, and it opened loads of doors. Um, I actually lived in Japan when I was 21 for a few years, um, teaching English over there, and that was great. So I loved that. So I always knew that I wanted to go away again. And, and so that when the opportunity to go to Abu Dhabi came up, that was great. I had a brilliant time. Okay, so we're going to talk about your travelling in yeah. the next bit. Oh, yeah. Um, you said you, you, know, you got the travelling bug, Dax. Yeah, you yeah. talked about that earlier. Now, I distinctly remember going to Wing Canton on yeah. a boxing day and your poor old dad there, if you thought he was miserable in the first part, he was absolutely <laughs> distraught because the, the terrible uh, tsunami had happened. Yeah, yeah. And you, were you, where were you? I was, I was in Thailand. In Thailand, yeah. So a group of us had gone over from Japan, gone over there for Christmas, um, and oh, we, we were so lucky because we were, you know, we were didn't really know where to go so we chose the other side of the of Thailand from um, the Phuket side which it hit really badly so I think I was in Koh Phangan, Koh Phangan um, which is just a little island. Full moon party basically. That sort of thing yeah it was great fun and um, I remember sitting having a bit of food uh, and the, TV, the only TV was on you know in our, in our bit where we were staying and see so, you know obviously it was all in Thai and you could see people kind of being like dragged out of water and so me and my friends were like, oh my God, this looks this looks bad. And so he said to the Thai guy, and he goes, oh no, no, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal, it's nothing. So we were blissfully unaware. I had no idea that anything was going on. So I was basically drunk as a lord, stuffing my face with curry and <laughs> having a great time and sitting on the beach. And, and I didn't ring home till, I think, two or three days. Well, that was before mobile, home, mobile yeah, phones yeah, yeah. and the internet and stuff, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and there wasn't much. It wasn't... What, what year was it, do you remember? Yes. Nineties, wasn't it? Yeah, so I was I was totally unaware of it all. So yeah, it was quite scary. Ninety eight, ninety nine. But the I remember being um, when I did come home, I think I was I was on the front of the paper. I'd made the front of the Herald Express, like <laughs> man made fear missing in Thailand. But he's fine. So it's <laughs> still on the front page. Well, Conrad yeah. phoned me up. Said, uh, yeah, yeah. Said, you guys in? I said, yeah. Don't talk about it. I can't talk about it. Yeah. Must have been depressing. That's very lucky. Yeah. Now, I, I do remember your sister was quite actively involved in the firm. Yeah, yeah. She oh, lives abroad now, yeah. doesn't she, yeah. Danielle? Yeah, yeah Danielle's in Switzerland. There's been, a yeah. great story about Danielle. She was about 14 at the time and she went to Black Forest point to point. And we'd practice at home and she said, I've got it, Dad, I've got it, don't worry, I've got it. So the, anyway, she's there poised, first, first bet, the first race. So um, it was. Um, 
Kinky Kevin. Everybody's got names on the track, you know. Kinky Kevin, the bondage gang of child, even 50. So she, so she writes it down. So what are you doing? Write a book. And all, all, over the, all over the sheet, she put 50, 50 in the right place. Kinky Kevin, the bondage gang. <laughs> and I said, no, I said, don't write a book, just put even 50 down. She just threw it down. She's right, so mum, I'm going home. That was it. <laughs> so luckily, one of the other guys were there, they took over, but she, uh, Jackie came and picked her up. That was it. She she worked. She used to rep for you at some one point, didn't she? Yeah. She, uh, anyway, she did for a little while, but then she, she we got over that, and then when she was a bit older, she came back and she did Clark again. But yeah, but yeah, she yeah she was um, yeah she did help me for about twelve months. Yeah, she was quite good. Good for business because uh, all the blokes used to. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so you said that that you've been working full time with the firm since the old boy retired for about five years. Yeah, yeah. But you're still about in the hovering and that. Yeah. So, how easy has it been working together in such a highly charged business? Do you have rucks and stuff? Um, not really. I think we've only had one fallout. What really? Well, about I don't know. But yeah, no, really. Um, no, it's, it's fine. It's, it's fairly easy. Really, um, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not. I think the thing is that race by race, we're pretty consistent. You know, we don't. We're not. We're totally consistent. We're the yeah. favourite in the place. And play the game, basically. So. Yeah, everything's in place. It's we're very consistent. What we do, the staff we've got very good. So it's um, everyone knows their jobs. Yeah, well. we don't. We don't duck and dive. We yeah, we yeah. we play the game basically. So. It's very rare. We'll... I, I, if he goes away, and I, I, I can know exactly to within 100 quid what he'd won or lost, or yeah, I know totally. that it's totally consistent. Yeah, consistent. And the staff, the staff, they know what they're doing. Everybody, we all work to the same pattern. So. Yeah. Have there been any, any particularly bad days where it's gone horribly wrong? Um, well, we had a, I think it was the year before you came back at Cheltenham, we'd already, I think we'd already laid a 7,000 to one this horse. And it was a syndic horse, it was one of, it was one of Pipey's, and uh, it, was, it was three or four owners, and they all came at each pitch, and they all laid like a 7,000, we all laid almost simultaneously 7,000 to one. So in effect, we'd laid a 28,000 to four, and it was about Oh, two, each of your pitches? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. And it was two minutes from the off, I'd love and, to have seen that. Uh, Christ, it you know, flashed out and I thought, hmm. So um, I thought, hmm, we're going to struggle here. So anyway, I said to somebody, I said, right, go back. My checkbook's in the car. We might need the checkbook. And of course, the person I told, um, didn't. he hadn't come with us. He said, where's your car? <laughs> anyway, the odds got being a short day. I said, I don't bother. <laughs> well, you had to stand it for that in the end. Oh, no, we, we obviously had some of it, but, you know, we, it was going to, I didn't want to pay it. 32 grand cash because um, I was I was going to give them a cheque if it had won was that the festival yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. Festival, yeah. could have been worse they could have asked for the fraction oh yeah no no that was, that was the festival I think that was a year before you came back anyway I said to this bloke he said where's your car then which car buy <laughs> <laughs> so I mean if, as you bet consistently does that mean that you're never going to have any absolutely phenomenal days or will you still get it when the rags win well um, yeah we I mean, the results were good this year at Cheltenham, weren't they? So, um, Thursday and Friday were very good, yeah. The, the first two days 
uh, it was pretty glum the first two days because the results were bad, weren't they? Uh, but yeah, Thursday and Friday the results were the results were brilliant. Yeah. Because at the moment at Cheltenham you've got really good, really good positions. Yeah, we bet down. Yeah, at the bottom is seven of us, and we get, we got three of the seven pitches. Yeah. But you are a little bit vulnerable in case the racecourse decides to change all their layout. Is that sort of worry at all? Don't give them ideas, Simon. Don't give them any ideas. <laughs> well, I remember, I remember the um, lower tats when I used to work down there. It used to be phenomenal because there were gaps going into the Guinness Village. Yeah. And then yeah, we got yeah. there one year and they closed them all. Yeah, there's one little walkway now. Yeah, there's one yeah. little walkway. Mm. So, um, have the number of... Well, first of all, where, where do you bet? What's your, what's your um, roster? Of places you go, uh, so I suppose starting close to home, we do, we've got four pitches at Unava, we've got two at Exeter, um, and we've got a pitch on the rails at Bath, on the rails at Salisbury, two um, at Chepstow, Chepstow National Hunt. We've got rails and tats. Um, what else we got? Uh, Newbury on the rails for the flat, Ask Royal Ascot Silver Ring, uh, Worcester Silver, Worcester Ring. Silver Ring. Um, so how many days racing on average would you do a week then uh, I think it's about 130 days a year that's before actually and then point to points yeah. that you do the points yeah. a year so about another yeah about 140 days probably so yeah. have, you, have you added pitches or, or got rid of them in, over the since you've been there Dax um, we cut down cut, our, going to every meet haven't we I think yeah that I've, I go to less because I think um well, because I could just tell that we were losing money at certain, on certain days, basically. So, yeah, I mean, you know, for instance, I quite like the race course, but Bath, you know, we could have gone to Bath um, Wednesday, Wednesday evening, but you know, we keep good records. and You, know, you, do, you do keep no, good records. Yeah, keep yeah. decent records yeah, what we take. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. if, if there's a trend of the last two or three years or it's not been any good, yeah. I won't go. We don't go to Taunton very much because it's no. so it's so lopsided that the top five bookmakers take all the money, and the rest of us are like, well, we're in the silver ring basically. So yeah, so we we, bet. we only go there at Christmas. Yeah, we're number eight at Taunton, so we're, we're number that, eight. That but should it's, be good. It's no good because because yeah, they changed that ring. They used to face each other in two lines. Yeah, they, yeah if they yeah. if they'd gone back to the old system, it, we'd go every meeting. But as mm. it stands, it's not this point. It's going even though we're number eight. So so quite a lot of the business is putting the thought into the where you're going to bet. Yeah, uh, yeah, but really, it's it's sort of um, I, well, you kind of know at the start of the year, really. You know, if you get the fixtures, I'd be pretty sure that within sort of two or three, like, you'd know how many days you're going to do. So only re- like the other day, I think we didn't go to Worcester because of the weather. The forecast was yeah. so horrendous, and you go outside in the silver ring. I just thought it's not going to be worth it. So you know, weather affects it. Um, yeah, and then just we look back for the records. Okay, yeah. so when you don't go. Facts. Is yeah. he checking the results every half an hour? Well, <laughs> it's, it's up to him because I don't. I don't look. I, mean, I think once you. I think that's part of it. I think you've got to like shrug your shoulders once you've made your decision. No, I mean, you've got to stick the, the sun nights when you can go to Bath on a Wednesday night on the rails and only take fifteen hundred quid. Yeah. Well, you know that's fact, and it's just not economical to go. So. Yeah. Okay. You, you mentioned earlier that you're consistent in what you do mm. so do you want to tell us what a bit more about what your angle is I mean do you go through the form and make an opinion or is it all figures do you have the favourite losing X amount or do you, you know what is the yeah we, we basically play the game don't we and we just we, yeah. we've always got you know the, well, yeah the favourites are the loser we, for always, a yeah, we're, we're small favorite. to reasonable amount really yeah. compared yeah. to some of the guys I bet you've yeah. interviewed 
Um, second favourite would be a, a small loser or a taker, and everything else would would win, and you know the rags would win well. Um, opinion wise, which I you know I don't think you should have an opinion on every race. I think if you've got an opinion, that's great. We're very lucky with some of the staff we've got, especially Q. He's got a great um, eye for it all. So yeah, if one of us. We'll happily have to ever lean towards sort of a, a middle pin, you yeah, know, an eight-centre yeah, one-shot. Yeah. But we don't keep favourites, really. Right. Very rarely we want to keep a favourite. And there's certain punters that you know are connected with certain stables. So if if they would had a good bet on a middle pin, we'd make, we'd, you know, yeah. make that a good winner. See what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Go with that. So that you get a lot of people, especially on social media and stuff, our racehorse bookmakers... They green up every race. They lose. They, they win whatever happens. I mean, what's the reality no, of doing do that? that? It, I mean, what is the reality? How many bookmakers do you think would do that? Is it possible more, during the week? Even I, I think it's it's more and more people more and yeah. more doing it now. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have a. I know people are sort of have a go at it, but I think if that's what you want to do, that's what you're gonna. You know, you're gonna make money. But how? I mean, how much would you have to take to say, for example, green up to win a winner? And is it feasible to take that sort of money? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Because. <laughs> We've never done it, have we? No, we've we've talked about it a good few times, and and lately we've sort of kept um, tried to sort of like write down what the green up is. But I think we tried to do it at, at Cheltenham, um, on one of the off meetings, perhaps, and we just sort of write what's the green up figure, what have we won, mm. and every time we've done it, we've had a result, and we thought, no, no, look, stick no. with it. <laughs> not not that I think we're getting it right. I'm not going to tell everyone what to do, but every time I thought, oh, maybe we should, it's it's. I've been sort of pleasantly surprised that I think what we do works for us anyway. Okay, guys, now you're tapping away, doing what you do. You've got your plan. You've got figures. Punter comes into you and he wants three grand on at five to two. What happens? Um, well, um, we sort of make sure it's... We always, we'll always try to lay any bet. You know, I think that's the first thing we should say. We always try to accommodate yeah. any punter. As best we can, um, and I think we'd always t always take a chunk, if not all, of the bet. Um, I don't I don't really have a problem with saying no. You can't have three grand on. I'll lay you two grand, or I'll lay you a grand at this price, or a grand at that price, or something like that. I think that's okay. Um, but yeah, it's tricky, really. Yeah. And that would obviously depend on if you if you're in your good pitch at Cheltenham compared to oh, yeah, yeah, Cheltenham, yeah, Cheltenham, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think yeah, it, yeah, yeah, at Cheltenham yeah. we just that would just be we'll just throw it in the bag, but it wouldn't yeah, just it would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if it's an over and a, if it's a better local meeting and it's over and above anything you're taking, is that a good thing or a bad thing for you? I mean, that's good, really. Yeah, want to take the money. Ninety yeah, yeah. percent of the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 we don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing you don't want is to lay like somebody wants nine thousand to three, and there's like thirty seconds before the off. But as long as you get, you don't want that. But. I always remember um, being at Cheltenham and um, it was an off meeting. I'm sure it was an off meeting, and it was an Irish guy and his horse was called the Drunken Monkey. Do you remember? Yeah. You know, fifteen hundred quid each way at thirty threes, and you took it. Did you know what price it was when you took it? <laughs> I can't remember quite how it happened. I hope he asked for the fractions. I, mean, he, 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 <laughs> I think he was, he was drunk himself. To be honest, he was, he was really friendly and quite. Yeah. And I remember. We were like panicking a bit because you're looking at the book and it took out like 40 grand and you're thinking, oh my God. And you had to run up and bet it back up mm. in the main ring, didn't you? Mm. And I think you, I remember like watching you hobble up to the top because you'd had your knee or something and thinking, and gone, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was the first one beat, wasn't it? I can't remember what we stuck it for. More than we wanted to, but not as much as, you know, not sort of 
scary amount really in the end it was okay but yeah I'm you hobbling back saying I've got this and that <laughs> going oh my god I suppose something like that happening every now and again keeps the adrenaline going and keeps the interest yeah. up yeah 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 I mean uh, the Irish at Cheltenham this year they were they, they had pots of money and they you know you, you just laid them and they were you know they're good 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 banter weren't they was yeah yes good yeah. humour you know how few and far between are the big bets at the random meetings? Um, lately, it's been we've taken a few decent bets lately, um, but you just never know. You you really never know. You can turn up and think, oh, this might be a day that um, you know we take a lot of money, and you don't. And the next day, you think mm. it's going to be quiet, and there's a certain few people there who've got another good bet. So it's it's really hard to to know really what's going to happen. Do you, do you sort of spot a face in the crowd and go, bugger? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you, you also bet it point to point. So I was doing the live streaming at the point to point. Yeah, you yeah. guys were there. You, a couple of times you had to, and you know where to go at a point to point, is it? Because no. you've got no exchanges and stuff. No, so. That's the trouble, you see. But if, if, if your regulars bet with you on course, you can't suddenly say to them, oh, well, we got no bet that today. You've still got a lame, haven't you? So, anyway. Uh, yeah, that was interesting a few times, but... And is it, do you play in a different way because of the, the fact you haven't got the extra hedging on the exchanges? Or no, the only thing is I've got a big enough float. <laughs> if I haven't got Dax's float, <laughs> it's a bit tricky there. You, but you've done the points this year, haven't you? I haven't really been the points this year. Yeah, been very poor. Yeah. And you mentioned um, that you got multiple pitches at Newton Abbott. Yeah. Cheltenham. I mean, what? A few people are a bit critical about multiple pitches. What would be the advantage? Of them, I mean, is it even at a poor meeting? Is it worth having all your yeah. extra staff? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it just means you take X amount of the money. Yeah, you know? but don't forget when, like, say, you know, we've got although we've got four pitches, um, we've only got there's two of us and three staff, haven't we? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're linked up. Yeah, yeah, they're all linked up. But um, uh, Frank and John uh, and Dax do. A, Pitch on their own, and me and Q, Q's obviously the uh, he, he's, he's he's the main man. Uh, everything feeds through to them. So there's the the staff is not that you know. We, so we got four pitches and we're point three people. So yeah, it's good. It works well. Yeah. And do you need to buy a betting badge for each pitch? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the X's are fairly high. Oh yeah, the, the X's are a grand, grand for yeah, every new Abbott meeting. Yeah, yeah. So you've got so you have that's at Cheltenham and Newton Abbott. You've got large teams out. So what, how are the logistics of getting staff? I mean, uh, is staff well, available it, it, all the time? Cheltenham, we, we, have the same, we have the same team every year. There's Dax and I and seven others. So we just uh, take, well, we've got a house and well, bed and breakfast at Stratford, mm. and we just take that house over and they do the evening meals and we just drive in. It's, it's great. Yeah, all yeah. well, the lads are brilliant at work. I mean, the, they're, 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 they're brilliant. They're all, yeah. seven of them, um, well, we lost Peter King, but yeah, he was great as well. But uh, the guy that's replaced him is is good. So yeah, we've got we haven't got any duffers. They're all they're all top class. Yeah, and it's, and it's we're very fortunate as well because I think um, they enjoy it. You know, yeah. because it's such a great occasion. Um, you know, we, and they all we, get on, don't they? Everyone gets on. You know, they, they all get pop on. out for have a beer before. Always have a couple of beers in the evening. Keep it kind of. You know, enjoy it. I enjoy it. You know, I always look forward to it, and it's because it's great to see my mates, and and I think you know they they enjoy it too. So yeah, it's it's like a 
it's not a holiday, you know what I mean? But like, it's, it's it feels like a, at times you can think, oh, bloody hell, I'm having a great time with my mates, yeah. you know. They're, so. they're well paid, but they deserve every penny they get because yeah. they work under a lot of pressure. So. Yeah, but when recently there's been a lot of, I mean, we all love the game, but the people, when you say bookmaker these days, you might as well say, oh, smells so smack at school or something, you know. It, I mean, have you noticed a difference in attitude of people towards what you do? I mean, would you have told your children's parents at school what your other dad's? Well, like, yeah, well, I wasn't supposed to moonlight as a bookie, so I don't, no, I didn't tell anybody, but... Have you got like a bit of a stigma about it yourself? Would you be uh, reluctant to mention it to people, or do you think it, it's something that's wrong and then it should be... It's uh, wrong that it's looked at like that? Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not really ashamed of it in any sense, and I don't think anyone should be. I mean, it's a... It's a great job, you know, um, and I, and I think, oh, you know, if if people are looked down, looking down their nose at it, would you look down at your nose at somebody who owns a pub or or other sort of you know perceived vices? Um, I certainly you know, don't want to take anybody's money who's got a problem with gambling. You know, just like anybody, we we hopefully have a duty of care to everybody who has a bet with us. But it's yeah, I'd, I'd encourage people to come along who, who sort of doubt it and have a chat to us and. You know, hopefully we could show them that it's it's a bit of fun and you know it's not something to be scared of or that attach any stigma to it. Now you're you're a father yourself. Yeah. Would yeah. you be encouraging your kids? It's, I mean, what do you think about the fact that <coughs> you're a family business and that your kids are, I know they're not old enough at the moment, but your kids wouldn't be able to learn the family business until they're actually eighteen, whereas you and Danielle could, you know, could learn the ropes, but. Whenever. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, mean, but is also, a... yeah, but also, something you've got to remember in 2052, we might have to hand all the pitches back, aren't we? Because as things stand at the moment, we've only got the pitches to, is it 2052, isn't it? Yeah. Is that the you invested all that money? And yeah, is yeah, it, that... it's only become work, who owns okay. it then? Well, that, that well, could be the end of it. I, I, yeah. I don't know. The negotiations are going ahead, but I mean, as things stand now, at the end, we 2052, we could be finished. We could be. And have he's been cheerful again, Dax? Isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't be here. Will I? I, mean, how, <laughs> I don't have here. How much? Because things have been difficult for racehorse bookmakers because you, everybody's got a, a mobile phone now where they can back yeah, yeah. with all the off-course firms. And I mean, has has that effect sort of plateaued now? Have you noticed it's things have steadied up a bit, or is it, or is it, is the, the the trend up or down? Well, I think I think COVID. Um, really you know, the period after COVID was difficult for racecourse bookmakers and now people come up to me and said oh well have I got best odds guaranteed or, yeah, yeah, and all yeah. this and all the you know how many places have I got seven places and you'd be like no you know you can't you know we're not Skybet we're not something so that was tough but I think people have now kind of shifted their expectations back to um, <laughs> to a sort of a norm, you know normality on a racecourse um, and I think um, I think people like cash I think people um, like coming and having an interaction with the bookmaker. Um, you know, there's some, you know, there's a lot of fun to be had. You know, we we try and have a chat to people. I mean, the great thing about the staff we got is they're really friendly and they're they're funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. other, you know, there's some really great characters on the on the race course to have a chat to. So I think that that's part of the attraction. Um, but yeah, of course, you know, we're very aware of the off course betting, and it's you know, it's, it's very attractive. It's very difficult to you know, you can't say otherwise. So. Yeah, it's just one of those things, really. But I feel like we're uh, we're we're sort of holding our own at the moment, really. Would, would so if your um, children, evidently 
fallen in love with it and wanted to do what you, you and Joe do, would you, as a responsible father, be encouraging them to forsake their studies and, and learn their fractions? And their, or would you, would you be dubious that they're going to have to worry about the 2052 that Joe's uh, on about? I, well, I certainly wouldn't put them off it. You know, it's something that I, I really enjoy, so I, I think that they enjoy it. Um, but I'd always encourage any, well, anybody going into any sort of family business really to have another string to their bow. So I'd want them to do something else as well. Because I think that, um, you know, I think we're quite fortunate in the fact that we've got a reasonable relationship and, and things work well together. Whereas I think that I know a few people in different family businesses, not necessarily bookmaking, who struggle to get on and it's, it's, it can be quite tricky. So I think I'd definitely want them to, to kind of look elsewhere, perhaps first, maybe, or, or, but I certainly wouldn't put them off it. Mm. So the, the future's uh, relatively bright in the on-course bookmaking game as far as you're concerned? I think so. I, I think so. It's really tricky to say. I mean, you know, technology moves so fast. You know, um, I, but yeah, things are things are good on course at the moment. So yeah, I'm fairly positive about it. I mean, the attendance at Newton Abbott in the week was tremendous, wasn't yeah. it? Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. In f fairness to Pat, he's done the right thing he, by dropping the prices from 22 to 16. I think that was a good move. Um, so yeah, that uh, yeah, I think Newton Abbott that was very good. Let's hopefully uh, they get a big crowd there on Monday, but. <laughs> this one. <laughs> well, when people are watching this, the weather might have improved, Joe. Yeah. Is some, isn't it? So, um, so anyway, we we like to get all the. This is the final bit now, Joe. You'd be pleased to know, but we we try and get all the stories mm. in these interviews. But you told me one probably I don't know what it was a year ago, Dax. Was it now? It was a bit of a faux pan. Joe said I could never, I couldn't report the story until he was gone. Yeah. Is that still the case, Joe? Or do you want yeah, to tell I think us? Yeah, better leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was funny though. <laughs> <laughs> funny at the time. If, if, people, if people think I should record it and, <laughs> under the under the, the on the the promise that okay. I won't release it until you know, I gone. honestly thought initially I'd, I'd somebody was stitching me up because the, the person in, <laughs> was covered in tattoos and Oscar. she cannot be genuine. I laughed and uh, was, but I didn't laugh so much. Maybe three hours later, when, anyway. Yeah, but you're, you're teasing people now, Joe, because you're yeah, you're, you're a relatively good. young man still. It's a good so you story. May be, you may not be gone for thirty years, so no, we're gonna have to wait a while for yeah. the sequel, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. So anyway, if, anyway. if people think that I should uh, record it and then and then save it under the promise of not showing it until Joe pops his yeah. clogs, yeah. Mention, yeah. It in the, mention it in the in the credits. Episode. I tell you what, though, the, the, <laughs> I'll take care of Joe. Every new meeting, people come up and remind me of it. Oh well. You, you're a shareholder at Newton Abbott? No. Oh. <laughs> Not anymore. They all have made me a shareholder. Well. Anyway, so th this story is to be continued. Hopefully, it won't be for many, many, many years, Joe. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, on that note, Joe and Dax Oliver, thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Sam. Okay, thank you. Cheers.